So I've been thinking a lot about that photograph of Stacey Abrams. You've seen it, I've seen it, we've all seen it, of Stacey Abrams wearing, or not wearing a mask. She's surrounded by school children who all are being forced to wear masks. Obviously, this photograph went viral because it's unfair, it's unscientific, it's tyrannical. It's, it's horrendous that the woman who wants to be the governor of Georgia is posing for a photograph on the campaign trail when she is not wearing a mask while these, these tiny little children who are not at risk of COVID are forced to wear masks. And it, the obvious comment has been made before that the only person in that photograph who is at risk for a more severe version of COVID-19 is Stacey Abrams because she's so much older and because she's overweight. But I've been thinking a lot about this photo because this is a story that has continued after the first day. As you know, so often our news cycles are so extremely short, so extremely quick. Our attention spans are so short that even outrage passes after 24 or 48 hours. But this this story has a little staying power. And I have a couple of comments on this. I have a couple of comments on this. First of all, First of all, when I see this picture, the thing that I keep thinking, this keeps popping into my mind, is this picture is very powerful. And will this, is, is it powerful enough though? Will this photograph cost Stacey Abrams the election? Will we look back and identify this photograph as the reason that Stacey Abrams lost the election? And I think the answer to that, I'm just gonna be blunt, this is, this is front-loading, this is, this is front-loading the answer. I think the answer to that is yes. I think that this photograph is going to play a much bigger role in her election or in her loss than even, than even the outrage indicates at this point because this is, this is a unique opportunity for parents on both sides of the aisle to be in agreement against, in this case, Stacey Abrams. It was, it was, it's like the reverse of what happened in Florida in 2008, where Ron DeSantis was able to cross party lines and gain support from school choice moms who were black women, who were registered Democrats, who voted for Democrat Senate candidates, who voted for the Republican governor, that's obviously Ron DeSantis, because he was offering school choice and his opponent, Andrew Gillum, was not. This is the reverse of that. So, so, Ron DeSantis was able to, to cobble together this coalition of Democrats and Republicans to win um, because of something he was offering. And Stacey Abrams, I think, is doing the opposite of that. She is going to cobble together, via this photograph, a coalition of parents, moms and dads, on both sides of the aisle who are appalled at what she did, who are appalled at the fact that their children are being forced to wear masks in school, period. And then it's exacerbated by the woman who wants to be in the highest, most powerful position in their state, who has control and influence over whether their children wear masks. She is sitting there for a photo op, not wearing a mask when their children are. So this is a very unique opportunity for, well, Stacey Abrams' opponents, of course, but thanks to Stacey Abrams to cobble together a coalition that spans party lines that includes both Republicans and Democrats. So again, I think, yes, I think this picture is one of the most powerful images that we are going to see in this next election cycle. I think it's going to be very detrimental for Stacey Abrams. And it's actually worse. It's worse for two reasons. The first reason that it's worse is Stacey Abrams, in 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 the wake of this backlash or in response to the outrage from parents and voters across her state, did not apologize. Initially, she doubled down and defended this photograph. And the way she defended it is so abhorrent. It's so disgusting and it's so indicative. It's so, uh, it's so illustrative of the poisonous ideology that has overtaken the entire Democrat party. And of course, I'm talking about wokeism. I'm talking about critical race theory. I'm talking about racial identity politics because this is what she said. Stacey Abrams, in defense of this photograph, in defense of this photograph, this photograph is Stacey Abrams sitting in a classroom with children around her. She is not wearing a mask. They are. And this is what she makes it about. She says, quote, 
it's shameful that our opponents are using a Black History Month reading event for Georgia children as the impetus for a false political attack. And it's pitiful and predictable that our opponents continue to look for opportunities to distract from their failed records when it comes to protecting public health during the pandemic. She literally is calling you a racist if you criticize her. If you point out the hypocrisy, the elitism that she's displaying here, then she's calling you a racist. She's saying that you can't criticize her because she is a black woman and perhaps you are not. This is so disgusting that she thinks that that this is not a quality, right? This is not equal opportunity or equal protection under the law. This is Stacey Abrams trying to use the color of her skin as a get out, of, get out of jail free card, as a way to get special treatment, as a way to deflect criticism. This is disgusting. No immutable characteristic makes you immune to political criticism when you are running for public office. But Stacey Abrams is not only trying to turn this around and pretend that it gives her some special status because she is a woman and she is a black woman, she's actually doing something where she's insulting you and insinuating that you are a racist because you dared to feel outraged because your child is being forced to wear a mask to school and Stacey Abrams sat with your child without a mask for a photo op for her own political advantage. So that's the first thing. That's what makes this even worse, even worse than just a horrible, perhaps career-ending political mistake here. She defended it. And then she took this photo down. She had published this photo. She took it down. She asked the school to take it down. The individual at the school who posted it deactivated their Twitter account from where this photo was originally posted. They're trying to erase this from the internet. Of course, that's naive. It just shows that they too understand the extent, the severity of the mistake that she made here. Because truthfully, that's the thing. It wasn't a mistake. This was not a mistake that Stacey Abrams made. And that's why when this story continued, when it outlasted the 24, 48 hour outrage news cycle that we usually see for a lot of stories, when it continued to have legs, when it took on even a new life of its own, after she had removed the picture from the internet, she finally issued an apology. But this apology is not an apology. This apology is worse than no apology. This is what she said. She said, quote, in the excitement after I finished the reading, because it was so much fun working with these kids, I took a picture and that was a mistake. Protocols matter and protecting our kids is the most important thing. And anything that can be perceived as undermining that is a mistake and I apologize. This is not an apology. What is she saying here? She's saying that she's sorry about the optics. She's sorry she took the picture. She says nothing about the fact she wore, she did, she did not wear a mask when the kids did. She's not sorry that she played by different rules. She's sorry that you saw her. She's sorry that she got caught. She's sorry that this is a political nightmare for her now. This is the worst apology in the history of apologies. And th this is what's so awful about this is even though she understands what a political travesty this is for her and for her campaign, she's actually not sorry for what she did. She's just sorry that it was captured in a photograph and that you saw it and that it's now a nightmare for her. Which, which is awful. This comes in the wake, by the way. So in Georgia, children in school are still forced to wear masks. Obviously, look at this. Look at this photograph. And she defends that. She had just days prior to this said, and I quote, COVID hygiene, which by the way, is a horrible phrase. I hate that so much. I reject that. I will not vote for a single politician who ever uses the phrase COVID hygiene as it relates to government mandated dictates, whether it's mask mandates, vaccines, whatever it is. She goes, COVID hygiene is going to be a point of debate for a very long time, and we can only follow the science 
and follow our circumstances. Unfortunately, in Georgia, we're not at a place where that conversation is ready because we have one of the lowest vaccination rates in the country. She's a tyrant. That's what she's telling you. She's not following the science because masks do nothing. Masks are BS. And as I said, the only person who is at high risk in that room is Stacey Abrams, according to the science, according to the science. So she's not following the science. Anyway, a conversation can't be had because people aren't vaccinated. Well, well, isn't that, isn't that a peek inside her mind? She doesn't want to have the conversation with you because you declined to take the COVID-19 vaccine. So as I said, she's not actually sorry. And what this is, this is the most important point about this. The, the most important thing that I think when I see this photo is not only is she not sorry, this is not actually an example of hypocrisy. She is not a hypocritical politician because a hypocritical politician is someone who makes a rule or implements a dictate and then is caught breaking it, right? That's a hypocritical politician. That's not what Stacey Abrams is. Stacey Abrams is an elitist. The difference between a hypocrite and an elitist is an elitist makes the rules, issues the dictates, just like a hypocrite does, but an elitist doesn't actually think that the rules apply to them. They're not just caught breaking them like a hypocrite. A hypocrite's more reckless. A hypocrite um, thinks maybe that they're, that they're invincible. That's, that's what a hypocrite is when they break the rules, but they know the rule applies to them. An elitist thinks there's two standards. An elitist makes the rules as they apply to you, but doesn't think that those rules apply to her. So she doesn't even consider herself to be in violation of the rule because she thinks there's a different standard because she is Stacey Abrams. She is running to be governor of Georgia. She is, in her own mind, already the legitimate governor of Georgia. She didn't acknowledge or concede that she lost in 2018. And this is what's so hideous about this photo. This is why, yes, this photograph very well may be the one thing that costs Stacey Abrams the election that makes her the loser. This photograph might be it because it doesn't matter what political party you're in, Democrat or Republicans, conservative or liberal. If you are a parent of a child who is forced to come home from school with soaking wet masks, dirty, snotty, disgusting, all because of a virus that doesn't pose them any significant risk, statistically zero risk, while politicians like Stacey Abrams use your children as props and don't wear a mask, oh boy, is this going to, is this going to be something that follows her around? That is why the story has not died yet. And that's why you and I should not let this story die until the citizens, the voters of the state of Georgia have cast their ballots. Also, in the interest of unmasking our children, in the interest of getting rid of masks once and for all, I have a promo code for you. Join me at the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. It is, of course, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Promo code NOMASK. If you use promo code NOMASK, you get a one month free trial on your annual subscription. That is promo code NOMASK at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. I, of course, am Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. I read one of the most shocking documents that I've seen in a really long time. And I say that as someone, obviously, who works in the news and media industry. So I see a lot of shocking things, a lot of bad news. This is one of the most shocking documents I've seen in a long time. And I, it's worth scrubbing through to see exactly how serious this is. We're going to get to it in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about a special offer brought to you by the National Republican Senatorial Committee. This is a really fun one. With the political pressure from the left and the woke mob that is the Democratic Party, our society has ultimately become controlled by the cancel culture elites. We know this. Since when? 
have the founders of our constitution, the American flag, Dr. Seuss, and many other things become un-American. It's absurd. There has never been a better time in our nation's history to stand up against this woke mob and fight back. You can do just that with this exclusive offer I am giving to my listeners for a limited time only. Now is your chance to win a signed picture by President Trump himself. That's right, a signed picture by President Trump himself. Not only will you be taking a stand against the radical left, you'll be entering to win a piece of history. All you have to do is text the word Liz, L-I-Z, to 55404 today to enter. That's L-I-Z to 55404. Liz to 55404. Join me in standing up for President Trump and canceling the radical left once and for all. This has been paid for by the National Republican Senatorial Committee. And by the way, standard data and messaging rates may apply, but we tried this. It doesn't cost you anything. Text Liz, L-I-Z to 55404. Okay, the Department of Homeland Security released a terrorism advisory bulletin is what they're calling it, released a document, a two-page PDF document this week. And it's one of the most shocking documents that I've seen in a really long time from start to finish. Every line is worse than the last. So when I think of a terrorism advisory bulletin, I think, okay, so what is ISIS doing? What is ISIS-K doing? What is Al-Qaeda doing? What is Al-Nusra doing? What are the Iranians doing? What is North Korea doing? What are terror cells around the world doing? And how does this impact us? You know, we, we recently saw terrorism in Texas at the Coryville Synagogue where the radical Islamist took Jewish people hostage to try to spark the release, not spark the release, but negotiate the release of Lady Al-Qaeda. I mean, that's terrorism. That, that deserves a terror advisory bulletin. So that in mind, this is, this is what I think of when I think of a Department of Homeland Security terror advisory bulletin, but this is what we saw from the Department of Homeland Security. It was released on February 7th. It is called Summary of Terrorism Threat to the U.S. Homeland, and this is what it says. The United States remains in a heightened threat environment fueled by several factors, including an online environment filled with false or misleading narratives and conspiracy theories and other forms of mis, dis, or malinformation. They abbreviate this MDM, mis, dis, or malinformation, introduced and or amplified by foreign and domestic threat actors. So let's just stop right there for a second. The short version of this is the Department of Homeland Security is issuing a terror bulletin based on posts they don't like online. Now we're not talking about the dark web here. We're not talking about child pornography. We're not talking about terrorism. We're not talking about terrorism communications and encrypted forums online somewhere. No, no. We're talking about basically social media posts that they consider the government, the Biden administration, Mayorkas, who's in charge of DHS, considers to be dismiss or malinformation. This is, a, this is a pretty startling premise. It goes on to say, these threat actors seek to exacerbate societal friction to sow discord and undermine public trust in government institutions. What? Undermine public trust in government institutions, that's all it takes in the eyes of DHS to be considered a terror threat? to warrant a terrorism advisory bulletin? So unless we sit here and say, yes, sir, big daddy government, sir, we trust you totally. We'll never question you. We'll never be skeptics. Unless we act like that, we're considered threats of terrorism in the eyes of DHS. This, this is horrendous. This is horrendous because trust in government institutions is of course important in a constitutional republic, but when the individuals running those institutions have corrupted them, it's okay to feel a lack of trust. In fact, 
you should feel a lack of trust in institutions such as those so that that inspires us to correct them, to correct the corruption, root out the corruption, hold those accountable or hold those responsible accountable and return the institution to a place of trust so that it can operate for us. But apparently in the eyes of DHS, this makes you a threat, a terrorism threat. Um, so they say, and undermine public trust in government institutions to encourage unrest, which could potentially inspire acts of violence. Okay, so let's talk about that phrase for a second. Could potentially inspire acts of violence. Um, could potentially inspire. Imagine, imagine a terrorism threat being that many degrees of separation. This isn't an active threat. There's no plot. This isn't, or this isn't an active threat. It isn't an act of violence. It isn't a plot. No, no, this is something that just could potentially inspire a plot at some point. That is so hypothetical. That is utter BS, utter BS. They say mass casualty attacks and other acts of targeted violence conducted by lone offenders and small groups acting in furtherance of ideological beliefs and or personal grievances pose an ongoing threat to the nation. While the conditions underlying the heightened threat landscape have not significantly changed over the last year. Okay, I have to stop there. Read that sentence again. Well, the conditions underlying the heightened threat landscape have not significantly changed over the past year. So why now then? Why issue a terror advisory bulletin now if the conditions, if the environment in our country hasn't significantly changed in a year, why would now, why would we now need a terror advisory bulletin? Well, the answer to that is pretty obvious, isn't it? Because now it's politically expedient for the left to label you as a terrorist. Who, who, who's the easiest person on earth to deplatform from social media? Criminals and terrorists. Who's the easiest person to banish from society? Well, criminals and terrorists. And what does the government need to do right now when, when they are the purveyors of draconian dictates and mandates and even misinformation coming, if we're talking about COVID specifically, and oh, we will in a minute. What do they need to do? They need to banish dissenters. They need to silence skeptics. And so what's the easiest way to do that? Well, the easiest way to do that wouldn't be to respect someone else's viewpoint and then try to silence them. Everyone in our country would acknowledge or recognize that that was a breach of our First Amendment rights. But the easiest way is to delegitimize the person and not address the information, delegitimize the person. In fact, reduce them to a terror threat because nobody has a problem with terror threats being silenced. So even though the threat environment hasn't changed, the political landscape has changed. The radical left now needs you to be quiet and they have no legitimate way to silence you. So they're reducing you to a terrorist. Which is why the landscape has not significantly changed over the past year. The convergence of the following factors has increased the volatility, unpredictability, and complexity of the threat environment. Wow, vague. Number one, they say the proliferation of false or misleading narratives, which sow discord or undermine public trust in US government institutions. Two, continued calls for violence directed at US critical infrastructure, soft targets and mass gatherings, faith-based institutions, such as churches, synagogues, and mosques. There, by the way, is a legitimate threat there. There always is a legitimate threat there, but as we'll get to later on in this bulletin, they do not have a legitimate solution to this. Institutions of higher education, they say racial and religious minorities, government facilities and personnel, including law enforcement and the military, the media, and perceived ideological opponents, and three, calls by foreign terrorist organizations for attacks on the United States based on recent events. So this is the summary of the terrorism threat to the United States homeland, but just wait, it gets, it gets worse. They then provide additional details. They say, the primary terrorism threat or terrorism-related threat to the U.S. continues to stem from lone offenders or small cells of individuals who are motivated by a range of foreign and or domestic grievances, 
often cultivated through the consumption of certain online content. Yes, think about that phrase for a second. Just hold that in your mind. The convergence of violent extremist ideologies, false or misleading narratives, and conspiracy theories have and will continue to contribute to a heightened threat of violence in the United States. Key factors contributing to the current heightened threat environment include, number one, the proliferation of false or misleading narratives. This is about undermining public trust in U.S. government institutions. They say, for example, there's widespread online proliferation of false or misleading narratives regarding unsubstantiated widespread election fraud and COVID-19. Grievances, they say, associated with these themes inspired violent extremist attacks during 2021. Think about this. So if you question not just the legitimacy at large of the 2020 presidential election, but if you question the legitimacy of how our institutions were used, meaning mass, not mass voter fraud in general, but specific electioneering. If you have any concerns about the integrity of our election systems, of mail-in ballots, of unsolicited absentee ballots sent to you, of drop boxes that were unmanned, of signature verification being degraded, of early voting and late voting and different rules applying to different people all within the same state, which of course is not legal or lawful, of rules and procedures and provisions and even laws being changed by people who don't have the authority to change them in the run up to the 2020 presidential election. The Department of Homeland Security literally thinks that makes you a terrorism threat. A terrorism threat. And they don't define misleading narratives about COVID-19. They don't define what they mean by this. But you and I know what the Biden administration means when they say misleading narratives about COVID-19. All of the scientific reality, the scientific truth about COVID-19, that the case fatality rate was nowhere near anything close to what Fauci originally told us, that really very old people or obese people are the ones who are at risk. Other people really aren't. It's not, it's not, a, you're not at high risk of fatality, the vast, vast majority of people. That studies show the efficacy of masks is not what Fauci says it is. That the efficacy of vaccines is not what Fauci says it is. That the safety of vaccines is not what Fauci says it is. That lockdowns didn't work. In fact, they saved statistically insignificant, a, a statistically insignificant number of lives, but harmed our society, families, businesses, people's livelihoods, their jobs, our economy at large. The mental health crisis sweeping our nation is because of lockdowns and social isolation. You question any of that, and you're considered a terror threat by DHS. This is absolutely shocking. I have never seen a document this explicit in identifying half of the country, the ideology of half of our country, not even the ideology, just the common sense beliefs or the politics of half of our country. And because those beliefs are contrary to what the Biden administration wants you to believe, the Biden administration is labeling you as a potential terror threat. I have never seen anything this, this honest about how much they hate us. How much they think that they have a right to control you to silence you, to cancel you. They want you to be a criminal. They want you to be a terrorist. They want you to fear speaking up and speaking out and being skeptical and asking questions and pushing back on, on, on your representative and your senator in town halls and by letter and by phone and on social media because they want you to fear that that will make you a criminal. They want you to self-censor. This is absolutely shocking. Absolutely shocking. 
I, I, when I read this, I almost didn't believe it. I didn't believe that this would, that, that this was true. This is what it says. It says, as COVID-19 restrictions continue to decrease nationwide, increased access to commercial and government facilities and the rising number of mass gatherings could provide increased opportunities for individuals looking to commit acts of violence to do so, often with little or no warning. Meanwhile, and they bury this, right? Meanwhile, COVID-19 mitigation measures, particularly COVID-19 vaccine and mask mandates, have been used by domestic violent extremists to justify violence since 2020 and could continue to inspire these extremists to target government, healthcare, and academic institutions that they associate with these measures. Again, with the hypothetical, has this happened? Is this widespread? Like, here's what I thought when I, when I first read this. I thought to myself, think back to the congressional baseball game when a mass shooter opened fire on Republicans. Steve Scalise almost died. This shooter was a Bernie bro who was inspired to commit violence by the narrative that was put forth by Bernie Sanders and the Democratic Party at large that was accusing Republicans of, quote, actually killing people because Republicans did not, wanted to repeal Obamacare. They didn't want Obamacare. And so the Democrats were saying, if you repeal Obamacare, you are actually killing people. This was the Democratic narrative. One of the biggest purveyors of this was Bernie Sanders. This was a Bernie bro who actually thought these Republicans were going to cause the death of people by repealing unconstitutional, impractical, expensive Obamacare. So what did he do? He committed violence based on this ideology. And what was the response from these same people who put together this document? From the left, the elected officials, the media, the Democratic, the Democratic voter electorate. What, what was the response from the left? They did everything they could to disassociate this shooter from leftist ideology. They would never have dreamed in a million trillion years of blaming Bernie Sanders or any other Democrat or the Democrat belief, the false narrative that the Democrats were using claiming Republicans were killing people because they wanted to repeal Obamacare. They would never have dreamed, the left would never have dreamed of blaming that attack, that near deadly attack on leftist narratives. And yet, that's actually closer to true than what is, being, what is being put forth in this document from the Department of Homeland Security. Because there is an element of truth to the fact that he was inspired. I mean, he was a nutcase. And I know that you're only responsible for your own actions and a politician, unless he directly calls for violence, can't be responsible for a nutcase misinterpreting and using your words, twisting your words as motivation for violence. I get that, I know that. But there's a closer connection in that case in the case of the congressional baseball game and a Bernie bro opening fire on Republicans based on his anger and outrage over Democrats' false narrative about Republicans killing people because they didn't want to repeal Obamacare, then there is, in this Department of Homeland Security terror advisory bulletin about you and me and mask mandates and vaccine mandates and concerns about the integrity of our election. I don't know if you are as shocked as I am by this, but the more you read this, the absolute worse, I mean, it gets, it gets worse and worse and worse. Some domestic violent extremists, it reads, have continued to advocate for violence in response to false or misleading narratives about unsubstantiated election fraud. The months preceding the upcoming 2022 midterm elections, it reads, could provide additional opportunities for these extremists and other individuals to call for violence directed at democratic institutions, political candidates, party offices, election events, and election workers. Oh my goodness. 
This is three. This is three hypotheticals, if you will, stacked on top of another. Could provide additional opportunities, aka nothing real has happened. Could provide. It's just hypothetical for these extremists and other individuals. Oh, just other individuals, aka you. No real terrorists here that we're talking about to call for violence. Oh, so not an actual plot. Nothing actually real here. Just the potential to call. This is actually three hypotheticals stacked on top of another. And the result, of course, is, oh, would you look at that? You are a terrorist here. You are a terrorist here. It's it's shocking. So then we get to the section called, how are we responding? And this is, this is, again, I can't use the phrase truly shocking too much or you're going to accuse me of being hyperbolic. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I just am so horrified at this document and so horrified at their honesty that that is my genuine reaction. So the how are we responding section, we're going to get to in just a second. First, I want to talk to you about ExpressVPN. So we all know how a VPN protects your privacy, your family's privacy and security online, right? But I recently learned that you can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. It's really simple how it works. You just fire up the ExpressVPN app. You change your location to any other country, the UK, for example, refresh your video streaming service, and that's all there is to it. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want websites to think you're located. Then you can choose from almost 100 different countries and think about all those Netflix libraries that you can watch. It's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, ABC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, yes. But ExpressVPN is the best because it's ridiculously fast. You can stream in HD, no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the go or on the big screen, wherever you are. If you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Liz, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. So support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself online, your family online at expressvpn.com slash Liz. That's expressvpn.com slash Liz. So then in this terrorism advisory bulletin from the Department of Homeland Security, we get to the section on how we are responding. Let's read this, shall we? Because there are two little nuggets in all of this verbiage here that will shock you. They say the Department of Homeland Security and the Federal Bureau of Investigation continue to share timely and actionable information and intelligence with the broadest audience possible, okay? This includes sharing information and intelligence with our partners across every level of government and in the private sector. We conduct recurring threat briefings with private sector and state, local, tribal, territorial, and campus partners, including to inform security planning efforts. DHS remains committed to working with our partners to identify and prevent all forms of terrorism and targeted violence and to support law enforcement. Okay, it's a lot of verbiage, nothing problem, problematic there, but then, then they say, DHS's Office of Intelligence and Analysis established a new dedicated domestic terrorism branch to produce the sound, timely intelligence needed to counter related threats. They are creating more bureaucracy. They are creating a branch. This is law enforcement, remember. These are the feds. A branch dedicated just to the threats that they enumerated in this terrorism advisory, which are based on their false presumption that people who question election integrity and the COVID-19 narrative from the Biden administration constitute a terrorism threat. Now there are actual feds in the DHS that are looking just at us, essentially. It's worse. They said, DHS's, uh, or the department expanded its evaluation of online activity. Oh, they're spying on us. So that's great. Don't you worry, guys. You are a terrorist, but it's okay because 
Now the government's going to spy on all of us to save us from ourselves. Great. They're going to uh, expand its evaluation of online activity to assess and prevent acts of violence. This is, this is, this is, it's awful, isn't it? And they go on to say, DHS is working with public and private sector partners, as well as foreign counterparts to identify and evaluate MDM. Remember, that's misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. So what does this sentence mean? DHS is working with public and private sector partners to identify and evaluate mis, dis, or malinformation. This means that the Department of Homeland Security, Biden, the Biden administration, is telling big tech to censor you. That government is identifying posts or opinions, political speech that they don't like, and they are telling big tech, this is what we don't like, please act accordingly. I, I, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not an attorney, but it seems to me that this makes big tech an actor, a government actor, or an agent of the state, if you will. Because if the government is using big tech to enforce what the government wants, then big tech is just a tool, obviously, but that is an agent of the state, in which case your political speech should be protected because it is protected under the Constitution, the First Amendment right. This is a very troubling document. There's also, by the way, um, the Department of Homeland Security doesn't, doesn't mind the fact that they dropped this line in. They say, a small number of threat actors are attempting to use the evacuation and resettlement of Afghan nationals following the U.S. military withdrawal from Afghanistan last year as a mean to exacerbate longstanding grievances and justify attacks against immigrants. Just in case you forgot, by the way, just a reminder that if you are critical of Biden's deadly botched withdrawal from Afghanistan and the resettlement of Afghans without any vetting, even the Biden administration admits that there's been very little vetting of these people, that that makes you anti-immigrant. They just threw that in, threw it in there, just in case you forget. Um, they also, by the way, at the very bottom, they talk about how to mitigate the threat of mass shootings or terror attacks at schools and houses of worship and public events, and they say nothing, nothing about arming yourself as a concealed carry permit holder, nothing about armed security guards at schools, nothing about how to actually mitigate these threats were these threats to become a reality. So it, it's an, it's an, it's a joke from start to finish, but it's it's worse than a joke. I mean, this is one of the most draconian uh, documents that I've ever read. At the very bottom, they, they have a, a section on what you can do to get involved. And they give you links for quote unquote media literacy, how not to fall for misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. I clicked on it to see what it is. And it's their media literacy kit, which is essentially, I mean, like I said, they, uh, they call it how not to be a terrorist. They don't call it that. That's a paraphrase, but it is under their section of how not to be a terrorist. And it, essentially it's please sign up for the government's indoctrination class, how to stop thinking independently and obey the narrative at all times. Um, welcome to our communist future. That's the culmination of this document. Welcome to our communist future. You may not criticize the government, you may not ask questions. You may not be skeptical of the public health establishment. You may not be skeptical of any Democrats in, at the national level, any election laws, anything odd, or you will be imprisoned. This, this is the logical conclusion of this document, this hideous document. And I, 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 when I read this, I thought to myself, you know, it's one of the simplest lines in the entire constitution, right? The first amendment, our right to free speech. Does it is not allowed? The government has no right to infringe on the free speech on our free speech, and there's no exception. There's no exception to our constitutionally protected right to free speech, and especially no uh, exception for. But Biden hates your opinions and say they might could possibly inspire someone else to call for violence. No exception of that sort whatsoever. This document from Biden's Department of Homeland Security is disturbing, 
and it should be revoked immediately. Tell your representative, tell your senator, tell the Biden administration, revoke this immediately. This is un-American. This is communist. Now, that's a real, that's a real downer. And so I have something that's a little, a little cheerier. And when I mean cheerier, I mean, there are draconian mandates that we're all suffering, not just in this country, around the world. And it's hard not to sit here and wait for a savior, you know, whether that's Joe Rogan, whether that's the Canadian truckers, it's hard not to want someone else to solve this problem for us. And it's hard to sit here. I know I struggle sometimes sitting here wishing that other people would just refuse to comply, just stop complying with mask mandates, stop complying with vaccine passports. In Washington, D.C., I wish restaurants would just open not just the one, the big board. I wish they all would just open and say, we're not going to enforce this. We're not going to check vaccine cards. I wish the American people would stop sending their children to school in masks just all at once. Because when there's, this, when there's a mass peaceful refusal to comply, then the government can't enforce it. And if they do enforce it, they have to make an example of someone. Usually that's with violence. And that would never be tolerated in this current political environment. Never be tolerated. I, I, so I get frustrated seeing these bad things happen and not seeing enough people refusing to comply. Well, I have good news for you. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you quickly about home title lock. Did you know that somebody can steal your house without you knowing until it's basically too late? The crime itself is called home title theft. And this is how it works. The deed to your home is the only document that proves that you own your home. And the reason this crime is a new crime is because all deeds to homes are now online. A scammer can steal your deed just by finding it online, forging your signature, and then refiling as the new owner of your home. Then he'll take out loans using your home's equity and leave you in debt. You won't even know until collection notices show up on bank loans that you never took out, which is why you need HomeTitleLock.com slash Liz. Home Title Lock is America's leader in home title protection. Home Title Lock monitors the deed to your home and notifies you if anybody tries to access your deed. Homeowner's insurance doesn't cover home title theft and neither do common identity theft programs. HomeTitleLock.com slash Liz is your peace of mind that the deed to your home is protected. So visit HomeTitleLock.com slash Liz and use promo code Liz for your 60-day money-back guarantee. That's HomeTitleLock.com slash Liz and use promo code Liz hometitlelock.com slash Liz. This is really important. It's a scary crime. It could happen without you knowing it unless you use hometitlelock.com slash Liz. Okay, the Canadian truckler, truckers, we all love them. We're all appreciative for what, they're do, for what they're doing. In Ottawa right now, the mayor has threatened anybody, any citizen who brings gasoline to the truckers. This is, this is how authoritarian the Canadian government is right now. They are scared of the truckers, not because the truckers are violent, they're not. They're scared because of the political ramifications of their own vaccine mandates and how their citizens are rebelling against that peacefully, of course. They're Canadian, after all. And so the Ottawa mayor has stooped. He's demeaned himself and discredited his government to the point that he has threatened anyone who brings gasoline to the truckers. This is the way the citizens of Ottawa have responded to this threat from the mayor, and this will bring a smile to your face, a tear to your eye. This is, my friends, exactly what we should be doing. Take a look at this. How many people are walking down the street? Every one of these people, hundreds of people, thousands of people, two gas cans, one in each hand, walking down the streets, the middle of the streets, on the sidewalk. There's no way, this is what I'm talking about, my friends. This is what I mean when I say if there's enough people that refuse to comply with tyranny, what's the government going to do here? What are they gonna do? Try to arrest every single one of these people, charge every single one of these people, fine every single one of these people? No, that would never work because there's too many of them. This is 
a strength in numbers situation. The people of Ottawa are ignoring the mayor's tyranny, as they should, because it is tyranny. They're peacefully refusing to comply, taking gasoline in red gas cans to the truckers that are standing up for freedom. This is exactly, I wish we would see this in America. This gives me hope. This truly gives me hope to see people doing this because this is what we need to do. Restaurants refusing to comply. Restaurants refusing to check vaccine cards. Places that have mask mandates forced upon them, refusing to ask people to wear masks. Just a mass refusal, a peaceful refusal to comply. This would fix it. It would take two weeks. And these mandates, these politicians would fear for their seats. They'd be worried that they were gonna be voted out and they would cave. It's all it would take. And videos like this give me hope. Also. I have a special offer. I'm going to speak at the YAF conference in Atlanta, Georgia, the YAF, Young America's Foundation Conference in Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia, this weekend, Friday, February 11th and 12th. And there are just a couple seats left, a couple seats. So if you are a young person and you don't know other conservatives who are also young, this is the place to be. This is the place to meet other like-minded people. My promo code is, of course, Liz, what did you expect? L-I-Z. If you go to lizwheelershow.com slash Atlanta and use my promo code Liz, you can get $20 off your conference registration. That's lizwheelershow.com slash Atlanta. Use promo code Liz for $20 off your registration. Um, I can't wait to give this speech. This is one that I'm very excited about. I've been working on this idea, this concept for quite some time, and I'm very excited to, to unveil it for you. It is about institutional sexism and racism and how Joe Biden is actually the one who is propagating institutional racism and sexism. Now, remember, I always differentiate between institutional racism and sexism and individual racism and sexism. Institutional means that there's a legal aspect to it. You know, that it's ingrained, codified in the statutes of our nation. Individual sexism is a personal sin. It's a failing. It's a flaw. Biden, I, I, I usually say there's no institutional sexism and no institutional racism in our nation anymore. There's always going to be individual, but there's no institutional. Biden is bringing back institutional sexism and racism. And on Saturday, Saturday the 12th is when I'm speaking. Saturday, is uh, you will see exactly how Biden is doing this. It's, it's a shocking thing. It's a shocking thing, especially coming from the left who claims that they stand for racial equity. LOL, they certainly do not. Our Locals VIP of the week is Emma Funtime. Emma Funtime, welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. We are delighted to have you. Um, the Locals community has been growing by leaps and bounds. This is such a wonderful place, such a great place to dialogue with each other because it is, it's, it's different than say cable news where you're listening to the host and that's all. This is a two-way conversation that happens on Locals between, um, between you and me. And the promo code, of course, is NOMASK. If you want to get a one-month free trial on your annual subscription, use the promo code NOMASK at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. The VIPs over there obviously get a peek into my mind as I'm creating these shows and my hot takes on subjects before I've refined the edges. The latest is, of course, about the Chinese athlete. I'm not going to call her American. She was American-born, but she's competing for China. And what exactly that means, what the implications of that are. And it is, it, it's, it's, it's harsh. The implications are very harsh. That's what's happening over on Locals. LizWheelerShow.com slash Locals, promo code NOMASK, and you get a one-month free trial on your annual subscription. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. 
This has been a Soundfront production.